Welcome to the X29 Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Metters. In the Bible, we see men and women who are both equally vital in the family of God, working together in their different roles for the advance of the gospel. And at X29, we affirm that men and women are both beautifully necessary for the health and multiplication of the church. Yet, sometimes we can end up unintentionally communicating that women are kind of less than. Well, what can we be thinking about and doing to build up the women in our churches for God's glory? Patty Roselle joins me on the podcast today to discuss involving women in the life and ministry of the church. Patty's a wife and mother of four, and she's a trained clinical social worker and is now using those skills to serve her local Acts 29 church. Patty co-leads the Kalos track at Seven Mile Road near Boston and has consulted with several Acts 29 churches as, as they have sought to love their women well. Well, Patty, welcome to the Acts 29 podcast. Thanks for having me, Jeff. It's great to be here. Yeah, great to meet you. Well, since I'm really meeting you for the first time, I was uh, recommended to interview you by your pastor. He was uh, just uh, singing your praises about the great work that you've done. And we said how you've just blessed women there at Seven Mile Road. So, well, man, let's get her on the show and, let, and let's talk. So why don't you tell me and, and our listeners a little bit about your background, uh, how you came to faith, and then we can talk about how you got drawn into social work and at Seven Mile Road, too. Yeah, sounds great. Um, yep, my name is Patty Roselle. I am a wife. Um, I've been married to Rob for 19 years, and we have four kids, three three boys and a girl, ranging from 14 to 7. Um, and we've been here north of Boston for the last 20 years of our lives. So we've been landed, stated here um, locally for a long time. And I grew up in New Jersey, Grew up in a Christian home. My mom came to faith um, when I was a baby. And so I knew nothing more, nothing less than the love of God and the church throughout my whole life. Um, so that was an incredible gift. The church had always been just a real place of safety and community and warmth um, through my growing up years. So that has been kind of an anchor um, place for me. I will say um, in those years, I think there were two maybe distinct places in my faith where wakefulness was kind of um, happening. And I think yeah. one of those was in college. So I came um, came up to Massachusetts and came to school, went to a Christian college. I'd gone to a lot of um, all public school growing up and was sort of immersed for the first time in real Christian community. Um, and that was just a season of of understanding theology in a new way, understanding um, all kinds of anthropology. We were talking about postmodernism for the first time. Just there was a real um, coming alive to the scriptures. Um, so that was really a big part of my faith journey was those years in college and wrestling, you know, wrestling with the questions of what does it mean to be a Christian in the world um, and being faced with a lot of um, social things that were going on. And, and so that was that was a huge part of, of my kind of re-realizing the gospel is real and true and necessary for all parts of my life. Um, So, and yeah, and I think in terms of faith, the other place was um, in early mothering. I had, as you mentioned, I'm a social worker. I had worked for a number of years. And after our second son was born, I came home. um, And it was a real season of transition. And the word of God became incredibly real to me in that season. It was a season of deep need, um, wondering what's happening, where, where's my purpose, where's my value, um, what does it look like to be fully invested in my home um, in this particular season, and that was a time of real 
real excitement and longing. Um, and God met me in that. So I think that those are the kind of major pieces of um, what has shaped me and been kind of the the way the gospel has been this sort of invisible string through my life. Wow. Well, how did you, um, you mentioned doing social work and I read that at the beginning. So how did you get drawn in towards clinical social work? And then how did you move from there to getting involved uh, with your church, Seven Mile Road there in Boston? Yeah. So social work, you know, really was a call to deep relationship. I felt, I've always felt like relationships um, are essential to life and, it was, I was really drawn to social work because it was a place to sit and listen to people's stories. Um, and I learned early on of just kind of the complexity of life, that there's brokenness, that there's joy, um, that both of those things can exist and that there's real interruptions in the goodness of, of what you hope for doesn't always happen. Um, and so I think that drew me to want to sit with people, to want to invest and understand and to be of help in any way I can. Um, social work particularly is an interesting um, profession because it's, it's not only looking at the individual, it's also looking at the environment or the places, the cultural context of which we live. And so really cares about the marginalized, really cares about those who don't have a voice. Um, so all those really lined up biblically with what I saw in scripture um, as what it means to live that out. So I think that being true, and then clinically you get trained in just a lot of skills of what it means to listen and to be of help. So that was kind of what drew me into that world. And I did a lot of work primarily in um, with women. So trauma, um, domestic violence, sexual assault, um, just really um, in the vulnerable places was, was where I did my initial work. Um, and that kind of has dovetailed into doing some work in the church now. Yeah. Yeah. And so at, at the church, you guys have started a track, the Kalos track. Uh, what is it and how did it begin? And did I even pronounce it right? That's probably <laughs> the other question, too. So. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, we, we call it Kalos. We probably have kind of butchered it, that Greek word ourselves. Um, but it is a it is a track that really began because our pastors were listening to the women that God had given them. They were sort of really wanting to desire to partner and grow um, in serving their women, but we all didn't really know what that looked like. And so I think we started asking the question, like, what does it look like to equip the work of the saints? Um, and, and really started from that posture of, well, what does this look like for women specifically? Um, and many of us, the women at the time who were kind of part of the, those early conversations had seen women's ministry, um, be something that was to the side or maybe not connected to the full mission of the church. And that was something we desired to not do. Um, There was a sense that we as women bring a whole different set of gifts um, to the table. And to have that connected to the local mission was really important. Um, And so the track was really a chance to um, take that vision and take that that understanding that we can partner together um, and really train um, some of our leaders towards that idea. So the Kalos track is a year-long um, discipleship track that is led by a pastor and one of the women in the church, and I've been leading it for the last number of years. Um, and really what we do is we're, we're really equipping our women around three main things. We want them to be involved, understanding, um, and immersed in scripture, so they're first alive to God, that they're they're really at the core, knowing who they are, knowing that they're loved, and that that being the foundation for everything else. 
Um, and then we're moving into what does it mean to be a woman? Um, that there's some very specific things that we see in scripture that call out the uniqueness, um, the beauty, the gift of what it means to be feminine, a Christian woman. Um, so we take some time looking at scripture and looking at that um, and and also looking at sameness. You know, we're human, so men and women carry a lot of things that are the same. Um, and then how does that work together um, in partnership. And then the last part of the track is really looking at mission. So we're hoping to say, because of those things are true, then, then, then now what? How do we use ourselves, use what we've been given, use our gifts to serve one another and to serve community? Um, so we say it like believe, adorn, advance. So we don't want to miss the adorn piece. There's something in there that oftentimes we can believe, but we often jump to mission too quick without really understanding um, the uniqueness that we bring as women to the table um, with our with our brothers. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. I, I'd love to tease out two things from that that, that you said. Uh, the adorn piece, just if you could kind of un- unpack that a little bit more, what you mean by that. And then if there's any like, what are there books or resources or things that you guys are going through that you would just love to just throw out there to people that they could go and find on Amazon or check out for themselves? Yeah. So, oh my gosh, there's so many resources. We, um, we actually wrote our own curriculum. So we kind of compiled a bunch of different, um, really different varying ideas, um, around what it means to kind of think on those things that I mentioned. So, you know, right off the top of my head, there's so many, you know, there's some Kevin DeYoung's book, Men and Women in the Church is Mm. sort of an interesting one that we've used. Um, there's, there's just, there's a lot. And, and I think there's, um, an opportunity to kind of, uh, we thought through trying to take a compilation of a lot of things and figure out what our women needed to hear. Um, and, and started of course with scripture. So we really go through, um, looking at Mary's story and her response to God when the angel visits her, um, and announces that she's going to have child like that. That's actually the scriptures is what drives a lot of the curriculum of how we do it. Um, and and that's been really, really important. And, and as that ties into the adorn piece, um, it, it is important, I think, when we think about um, women, that there is a chance for us to show off the gospel in a way that reflects the assignment that God has given us as women. So if we think about um, who we are as women, that we are actually wired to to house or be a home for um, a child, but that is just a small and really broad category of what it means to nurture, carry, um, love, to make welcome those who are given to us. Um, So that aspect of adorn is sort of this what season are you in? What is what assignment have you been given right now? Um, how does your physicality of being a woman impact you and, and where you put your time? So we're sort of looking at all different aspects of femininity um, and, and asking the questions, does this really matter for how you go about your life? And we usually come, yeah, the answer is yes, it does matter. Um, and it's going to look different based on the season you're in. So I think that's the other piece when we think about Adorn. I'm now, my kids are a little older. I'm in a different season. Um, I'm spending a lot more time with other women younger than me, my own age, in our community. 
um, still loving my kids, but they're at, they're at school during the day versus a season when all my kids were home and I had four kids under age seven, that season of adorning the gospel looked very different. So mm-hmm. we are kind of helping yeah. women to tease that out a little bit. Oh, that's so great. And I, I wonder if you could tell us like, are there, what benefits have you seen from the chaos track for both the women and I'm sure it is also affecting and encouraging the wider church family as well. So what are some of the benefits you've seen through the track? Um, I have seen, we've just seen sort of that idea that we see in Genesis that it is not good for man to be alone. <laughs> I think there is a sense that um, we were never meant to go about the mission of God without each other. So I think there is this this greater sense that we're in it together, that we're side to side, sort of shoulder to shoulder, looking at God first. Um, oftentimes with men and women, we can get kind of looking at each other and distracted from actually what God is doing. So I think it's really reoriented our, our gaze, reoriented our perspective first to God and allowed us to partner in that direction. I think women are um, really valued and loved in a way that they are known. So I think the culture of affirmation has really grown because of the work that we've done. So our women um, are called out and um, appreciated um, and there's not fear between us. We truly are brothers and sisters and our pastors and the men in the church um, really. And we seek to do that as well. I think the women seek to kind of affirm and look to the goodness, like kind of thinking in Philippians where it says to look on all that is good and lovely and noble. If we are having that orientation to one another, it changes how we go about the work. Um, so I think there's a cultural shift that's happened um, when women know that they belong, that they have a purpose and that they're necessary to the work. Um, so that's that's been really good. Um, I think our pastors have also a resource to call on. So one of the benefits of investing in your women is you now have a known entity of gifts. Um, uh-huh. We are all different. So women carry a lot of things the same, but we also carry a lot of unique gifts. Um, so to know that like, oh, this woman's really good at administration or she's really good at care and counseling, to know that that past our pastors could call on these specific women in specific pastoral care situations um, or situations where they need some help, they're right there, they're known, um, they're loved, they've been um, spent some time together. So um, there's a sense of of help that the um, that has really helped. I think the culture of the church feel like we they our pastors have some support. Um, and they're not going about it alone. So that's been really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a great encouragement for, for pastors out there to really invest and encourage and equip, equip women. I know I've said on other episodes before, it's like, you know, sometimes, and this is something Jen Wilkin and I have talked about too, is that sometimes mm-hmm. you have, you got a men's systematic theology study and they're going all this kind of stuff. And then like the women's is Proverbs 31 again. Uh, it's like, yeah. that's, it's a great chapter, uh, no doubt. And men need that chapter too. Um, but there's more for, for women than just Proverbs 31 and, and Titus too. Um, and so much of, you know, being complementarian uh, churches and complementarian brothers and sisters is that we know that we do complement one another. We work together. And so Patty, I wonder if you could tell us, what do you think it means for men and women to work together for the advance of the gospel? And, and how have you seen this play out in the X29 community? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is to know that we are to live as family. So throughout the New Testament, there is a sense of that we 
having been bought by Christ, um, that we are now new creations and we're also in a new family. And so I think that idea of being brothers and sisters in the household of God, the church, um, is language that is just throughout um, throughout the scripture that we see this vision for connectedness um, that is, I think, really, really helpful. And I think when we live as family, there's a different understanding or level of how we relate to one another. Um, We often think, I often think of um, Romans 16. Um, Paul is so affectionate and robust in his um, kind of pouring forth of how he talks about the the co-laborers or the partners in the work that he's doing, that you get the sense that it wasn't hard for him to come up with those names, you know, and they're distinct, you know, talks about the mothers and the sisters and the brothers. Um, And so I think that to work together, I think, is to create a culture um, that we see in the scripture that has that type of affection and connection with one another. Um, And that is a ground for for where we can kind of go from. Um, I think we have to resist fear in terms of working together. Um, A lot of times there's a lot of lies that can come in as to why we shouldn't be working together or why we should be cautious of one another first. And of course, we don't want to throw any of those those, um, boundaries and good things out the door, but we often can take that too far. And I think um, when we work and think about what does it mean to advance the gospel, we really have to throw off the fear and trust God. Trust God and be responding to where the spirit is moving and allow that faith to um, activate us forward. Um, and, and it's better for us to be doing, doing that together. Um, and you mentioned too, like the distinction piece, I think it's really important. Obviously we honor our distinction. Um, there's a sense too, that there, we're going to have blind spots with one another. And so there's a real, I think if we carry a posture of curiosity, um, one of understanding of really seeing where we might be wrong, where we might need to step back and not really, um, and listen a little bit better, um, and even repent for the places that we have not done, um, kind of working together well, um, can really be a place of connection that kind of helps us to, to move ahead together. Um, and I think that those aspects can really help the culture shift. And when the culture shifts, then you're free. You're free to um, live out of this place where you can actually put all your energy um, into what God is doing and responding to his spirit, um, kind of his, his, his spirit's presence in your church, your specific church, your specific context. Um, and that's really, really important. Yeah. Yeah, so important, especially for for our individual local churches. You know, Acts 29 recently just launched our women's leadership cohort, and this is to equip and mobilize women as partners in gospel ministries. And it's it was different women that are that serve in leadership and different Acts 29 churches. But I wonder, Patty, if you could help us think about what are some ways individual Acts 29 churches. So pastors listening, um, you got staff members listening to the show different ways that they could grow in their care for women in their own church family? Yes. I think one of the most important things is that we're really clear about our mission. Um, Sometimes we start looking um, at kind of, I don't want to say lesser things, but we we don't really know where we're going. So I think one of the best things we can do in thinking about all women and men thriving in the local church is to be asking the question, what's most important right now? 
um, what season is my church in? Um, where are we? This is going to look very different, I think, in the early stages of church planning when you're in year one and two and there's gospel chaos and you're just trying to um, move ahead versus a church that's established and in five, six years or 10 years later. Um, so I think it's most important um, to, it's a gift to the women when our leadership knows, hey, this is where we're headed. Um, and then it's there's some clarity about how we can come alongside and partner with that. Um, and I think there's also, where are the places, I think for pastors, for leadership to be asking, where are the places where women can be invited into the conversation? Um, I think a lot of times it's important for there to just be a understanding and a curiosity about what could be changed or what could be added so that the conversation is deeper and more enriched by the fullness of both men and women in, at the table. Um, and I think that there's a lot of potential for, for that as well. And I mentioned before, I think a culture of affirmation is essential. Um, I think women, um, when they are seen um, and are known, there's a sense that they're going to just feel settled and know that they belong. And I think that that shifts the work that we do together. Um, and I also, we, you talked to a little bit before, like just a high, have a high bar for um, learning, your learning environments. Um, all of us are being kind of infiltrated and shaped by culture, um, by social media. There's all these inputs all the time. And I think to help our women better, we have to understand where they're getting those inputs. Um, and oftentimes it's not always great. <laughs> so I think there's a, there's a, the church has an opportunity to say, where can we equip our women and be shaped first by scripture, be shaped by um, the actual words of God, there, there'd be this counter formation um, that is growing them up into Christ. Um, that creates an environment where I think, and, and that can be mixed learning environments, and then specifically for women, specifically for men. Um, I think there's a lot of potential, but it goes back to that first question, where's your church in this season and what does it need right now? Um, and then the equipment, the equipping can come after. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a helpful word for, for people to hear. What, what stage is your church in? What season is your church in? Um, that you may not be able to do, you know, the different kinds of tracks. You may not be able to do, pull off certain kinds of things yet, but don't stop dreaming. Keep, keep thinking forward, keep planning ahead about when you could do it that maybe the time comes when you have a, you know, a men's leadership track. Well, you could probably get started on a women's leadership track too, or just a leadership track and have both of them come together. So get creative, you know, strategize with your teams, brainstorm, brainstorm and all those kinds of things and, and see what you can come up with. And so maybe this, this, this might help pastors, but Patty, but how can pastors assess how either well or poorly the women in their church are actually doing and whether or not they know their role and value? Yes, I think one of the be the best things that happened in our church was there was a, there was a few women that were gathered and trusted um, and were called upon to share their perspective. Um, I think you it never hurts to ask um, how the experience of women is in the church, um, even so much as we've gone um, and done different things, or even around helping um, to get input on sermon you know, kind of sermons, what's that experience like for you? Hearing the preached word, um, we can, again, it's, if it's men preaching, we have some blind spots there, and that's okay. Um, so I think you can kind of 
have a posture of curiosity, a posture of listening, and gathering a trusted bunch of women together um, to for that purpose to kind of understand where what the experience is in your church. And I think there's two things here that you know, p- women pastors' wives are such a wonderful resource. Um, they often carry a lot of the burden of this. So I also think for pastors to be curious about where are the women who are interested, invested, and given to you that are not, whose husbands are not in ministry. Um, That's my story. And I think my husband is in business and I offer, I just have a, a, um, it's a different level of um, freedom because I don't live with all of the details of the church day in and day out in my household. He's not coming home talking to me about it. So I just, so I think there's also, how do you invest in those women um, who are interested, gifted, called maybe to ministry, um, but maybe would be overlooked at first glance just because their, their um, husbands um, are not in ministry. And this goes for our single sisters as well. Um, There's so many are gifted and often are overlooked. So I just think you think kind of holistically about, What's the landscape of your church and how do you invite some of those women um, into conversation? And I think um, they are often very eager to share um, once asked. And so I think that's that's one way to assess kind of where you're at um, and, and allow for to be open to the answers um, and and to carry both sides, you know, the good and some things that might be just off and need a little bit of shifting. Um, one of the things when I've talked with other churches um, or talk with pastors when they're beginning to think about this um, is to just asking those questions of themselves first, Um, having a moment of self-reflection as to how do I think about women? How have I been shaped um, in my life? Where does my story um, intersect with how I might go along or be afraid of or overinvest, depending on where your your life story has brought you. And that self-reflection for pastors, I think, is really helpful before you even enter those conversations. And it gives you an ears to be open to hear um, where are we following scripture and where have we added things that don't necessarily need to be in our church. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good word when you said, Patty, Dana, be open to what you hear, like a great way to shut down the women's development and the growth and health of the church is to hear the honest feedback from, from women and then be defensive and disagree. Uh, that would be a guaranteed disaster. And so, so brothers, listen, listen to your sisters and, and hear what they have to say. Well, Patty, if, if a X29 pastor or church listening wanted to start something like the chaos track you guys are doing, uh, where should they start? Well, we, we have some resources. We have kalosconversations.com is sort of some of the work that we've done around our curriculum. Um, we did have a podcast that we did sort of a specific number of episodes to kind of move us through um, discussing the way we do about our curriculum. So that is definitely a resource. But there's also a lot of other resources out there. Um, and I think we're in a time right now when People are asking the question, what does it look like for there to be partnership? And I think you can be curious. I would even ask your women, um, what is it you think you need right now? Or, or where is our church, from your perspective, needing to grow in? And I think that those early conversations will lead some pastors to resources that they might not know know of. Um, One of the benefits of our early on when we started doing some of this work is our pastor just read really widely a lot of women authors um, and just got his in his own head um, a a different perspective and then came back to us and said, hey, does this line up? Have you guys read this? Can we talk about this? These are some different ways in which um, I'm being shaped because I've realized I've only 
I tend to, to lean towards um, only reading from men or only reading from a certain tribe. Um, so having a diversity of thought um, really helps to um, begin to ask the questions for your church specifically. Where are we going and what do we need? And I, you don't need to reinvent the wheel, of course, um, but at the same time, there is a chance to to move from the place where you're at versus just sort of taking a program and dumping it into um, your specific church. Our, it's been sweet to hear some, a lot of Acts 29 churches have sort of taken some of these ideas and, and really developed it towards what they need. Um, and one of the things that we've seen, pastoral presence um, in the work is is essential. So I, I'm biased towards that because I think when you have pastors um, who aren't giving and pushing off the discipleship of women to their women discipleship director only, but are really partnering with them so that it moves together. I think that that strengthens it. So I would encourage pastors to think about how they can personally, or one of their staff can be involved um, in the development and the oversight and the partnership with equipping their women. Yeah. Yeah. Super helpful. I, I love that you said earlier about, you know, tailoring and figuring out where you're at with curriculum and all that kinds of stuff. Because it's very easy to just say, okay, we're going to read these six books or or whatever, but to take chapters and to get stuff from ancient sources and stuff from, you know, Reformation era and stuff from today and and make a reading binder of just what would be helpful. uh, I think that just adds some more depth to it than just assigning um, a raw book here and there. And there we go. Just read this from cover to cover. And how many people are going to sit and read, you know, 10 books? Then they've got four little kids running at home and they're taking kids to soccer and, and all that kinds of stuff. So guys, brainstorm with your team. Listen to the ladies, uh, your the ladies that are leaders in your church. Get with them and, and start just crafting uh, how you could create a little leadership track, a development track uh, for the men and women in, in your church. But let's not neglect our, our sisters. So Patty, thank you so much for, for coming on and, and giving us some insight on what you guys are doing at, at Seven Mile Road there in Boston. Um, and now how we end every episode or of the Acts 29 podcast is these final three, final three questions. Okay. So what's a, a great book you've read recently that you'd want to recommend? Yes. So I have just finished the soul of desire by Kurt Thompson. Yeah. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Kurt Thompson, but he's, um, a psychiatrist, um, Christian, incredible thinker who weaves together kind of the neuroscience of, um, our brains, as well as the relational communal aspect of who we are. So this book has been really, I've loved it. It's really helped to think about longing, to think about beauty. Um, he talks about us as people, but also our churches can be outposts of beauty in kind of a dark culture. Mm. Um, and I, and we think about men and women, I've, I've thought so much about this, that we get to embody diversity in unity, that when people walk into our churches, they get to experience what it means to see harmony and peace between all of us um, in a place where there's incredible diversity, um, but yet there's unity because of the gospel, because of Christ. Um, so anyway, I would recommend that. It's a great one. Yeah. Yeah. Super good. I know my wife just ordered, uh, she listened to a podcast with him and and she ordered Soul Shame and Soul Desire. So they're actually both sitting on the shelf to, to my left. Yeah. Okay, what's your go-to order in a coffee shop? I'm a, I'm not assuming it's Dunkin' uh, since you're in Boston. Uh, I'm not no, assuming it, that. I think that's just it, marketing. Yes. No, there is one on every corner pretty much up here, but it is um, a very, I don't know, I'm not being a coffee snob, but it's a little bit of a lesser. I wouldn't normally go there. Yeah, me um, So, yeah, I love, I mean, if I'm going to like a craft coffee place, I always like their dark roast pour over black. That's always my first choice. Um 
And that's been, I don't know, there's a couple of places, some local places that, you know, kind of independently owned that I kind of am drawn to. So um, I am kind of a black, dark coffee drinker. Um, Every once in a while, enjoy a latte with vanilla in it. But um, but generally speaking, that's my coffee order. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I'm drinking some Onyx uh, Ethiopian pour over right now. And it's wonderful. Okay, last question, and always the best one. Uh, your favorite verse in the Bible and why? Um, there's so many, right? Yes, um, the there first, are a lot. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one right now that's um, most important, and it's just really been an anchor in my life. But First John 3, 1, um, see what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. I just think I love it because um, I am always responding to the love of God, that that is my heart's desire, my heart cry in my life, and that I get to, that he's so gracious to invite us into um, his story, and that we literally are children of his because of his son. So that's the verse I love. Yeah. Amen. What a great word. And so we are. I love that. And, And, and very appropriate too, for brothers and sisters, we are children of God. Uh, and so we are. Love it. Well, Patty, thank you again for coming on the Exponent Podcast. It's a joy to talk with you and to meet you. Yeah, it was great. Thanks so much, Jeff. And brothers and sisters, thank you for listening to this episode of the Acts 29 podcast. Be sure to check out previous episodes and some of the audio we've been sharing from conferences. We hope it's a great encouragement to you. And remember, let's keep planting churches into the ends of the earth.